Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, here we are. Here we are, going off track. Going way off track. <laughs> Uh, this is take uh, two of this intro. Take two of this intro. We were just uh, I was talking about how I had a cold, and then Brad was telling me his only cold remedy he's found that works well, is. But you know the thing is, so you've just you just tried echinacea, yeah, which like is probably the most common like um, you know home remedy. What do you call it? Like homeopathic or whatever, right? Right. Even though you just tried it, I'm surprised. But I think a lot of people are aware of echinacea. Um, yeah, I've tried echinacea. The only thing that I think really works for cold, in my experience, the only thing I've ever used that seemed to really have, uh, impact on it was zinc. Really? Yeah. Like the minute you first, it, but you have to do it when you first start to feel it. Like I'll even, I've even done it. I've even started taking zinc. Like when, um, sometimes it was a false alarm cause I was just fucking woke up like under the weather or something. But like if you if you start taking it like when you first start feeling a cold, um, it'll not it'll cut it in half. Like if you have if you have, if you're getting a cold that like you know your girlfriend just got over and it took her a week to get over it, it'll knock it down to like three days. Gotcha. Like and absolutely, I've, this has been my experience consistently. But you got to start taking it as early as possible. And honestly, like I've used coldies and stuff, but I think the best is. Um, it's hard to find, but it's those these tablets that kind of nasty tasting. They're about the size of like a nickel, and they kind of look like a nickel. They're kind of chalky. Is it Zycam? No, Zycam. None of those like brand names. Those are okay. Those all work. But I the feel one, like those leave such a gross taste in your mouth that I'd rather be sick almost than have my mouth taste like I just like swallow. Well, I like, put them under my tongue and kind of dissolve them under my tongue because they make your food taste really weird for a long time. Yeah. I, I One time, actually, it was one of my false alarms when I was taking some zinc because I was kind of like under the weather. But I wasn't getting, I don't think I was getting sick. I just like sucked down one of these zinc. These ones that I'm talking about are even like more intense than Zycam. Like they really have like a metallic taste. Okay. And I stopped in my friend's bar and I had eaten this fucking thing like a half hour before, right? And I sent back like three different pints of beer. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, no, dude, you got it. The tap's dirty. Because, you know, like if you ever had yeah. like a dirty tap taste and it yeah. tastes metallic. And I was convinced that that was what it was. 
And he finally gave me a bottle of beer and it tastes like shit. And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> this is bad too. <laughs> I just, oh, I'd sink. Um, I've been taking zinc before I go to bed because when Anthony Green came on the podcast a couple weeks ago, he was like, Joan, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I haven't really been sleeping. And he was like, you should take this thing ZMA. It's like zinc, magnesium, and B6. Oh, really? And yeah. he's like, I take a, like a half hour or something before I go to bed. And it act because like I do sometimes have trouble sleeping and it actually works pretty well, but it. And it's all natural. The only crazy part is that it gives you super vivid, crazy dreams. So oh, yeah. I'll like wake this. up in the middle of the night and I'll be like, like fucking like on the front <laughs> lines of some insane war zone. And I'll wake up, I'll be covered in sweat. I mean, like, it's like really intense. I mean, that's a trade off. It's there. kind of fun. <laughs> like you kind of take it and you're like, I wonder what's going to happen tonight. <laughs> And I haven't, like, I've been sober, so I haven't, uh, I've been able to, like, when I'm not going to bed stoned, you, like, remember your dreams a lot more. Yeah, yeah. So I actually, like... Well, you know, if you keep a a little journal. notebook or a journal next to your bed, you're supposed to, when you wake up from the dream, you have to write it, because you'll forget. Once you go back to sleep, you'll forget I know. It. I'm sure I talked about some podcasts. I went to a, uh, um, a workshop in my old yoga studio with this guy who was a lucid dreaming expert, and he was, I could, I, I'll... I'll look up his name, but he uh, he was like, you know, I'm a lucid dreaming expert. I figured out I could do it when I was a teenager. And for like the first couple of years, I just had sex with celebrities in my dream. He's like, that's all I did. And then he's like, and then I got into spirituality and he was talking about how like this thing was about dream yoga. It was like kind of out there, but he's like, if you meditate for like a minute in a dream, it's like meditating for like an hour. Oh, right. We talked And he about was this. like, that's how all these monks got enlightened because they would like, and he was, and, I, and so basically like the crux of the whole talk was like, okay, so how the fuck do, can I lose a dream? And he was basically <laughs> like, what you need to do is uh, have a notebook outside of your bed. When you're going to bed, you need to set an intention, like lie in bed, no music, nothing, and just be like, I'm going to remember my dreams tonight. I'm going to remember my dreams. And just say that over and over. And then when you wake up, as soon as you, whatever you remember, just write it down. And, and just like the act of writing it down and getting it out of your head, like kind of like opens up another part of your brain where you're not like trying to remember. You can like let go and then you can sort of develop it. But he's like, it's a practice. Um, it's it's worth it. I, I believe it, you know, because I've, anytime I've like sort of uh, messed around with that kind of stuff, it's worked. Yeah. Like... Yeah, the first time I started lucid dreaming, I was very young, and my dad was, you know, he kind of gave me this pep talk. I'd have been having nightmares, you know, I was probably like, whatever, like seven. And he was like, you know, he kind of gave me, not quite as intense as this, but, you know, essentially, like, before you go to bed, think about it, you know, and when you start to have your dream, tell yourself it's it. And so very quickly, I started lucid dreaming, and like, you know, I'd be like, oh, shit, this is a dream. Like, I'm going to fly. I'm going to fly around this building. Um, and then when I got older, <laughs> started lucid dreaming about other things. But the problem is, is that it it, it doesn't work because I, I feel like it's almost like there's a lucid dream center that was like, okay, you're abusing this practice. You need to have regular dreams because yeah, I'll have a lucid dream where I'm like, oh, this is a dream. Like I'm going to have sex with this beautiful woman. And as soon as I start having sex with her, she turns into like a fucking couch, <laughs> which usually doesn't stop me, but yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like it never really works out. At least in my experience. But since I've been, I always thought, like, I've been doing it for so long. I, I got, I used up all my lucid dreaming credit when I was I don't think that's how it old. works, man. I think you can still do it. <laughs> so maybe I need to, to take a little class on, on. Yeah. Look it up. Practice. I'm sure this guy's online. I can't remember his name. He's a British dude. 
speaking of Europe, <laughs> both of today's guests live in Germany. Yeah, interestingly enough. Interesting enough. Uh, Dave Laney, an Albarian, you may know from Mile Marker. Also, they were in Challenger together. Uh, Mile Marker has been a band for over 20 years, 20 years about. Yeah, 97, I think. 97. We decided it was their first um, album. They have a new record out that came out this year on Love It called Overseas. Uh, and yeah, my old band played some shows with them. I've known Al and Dave for a long time. Uh, obviously Al also did the zine Burn Collector, which is a classic, uh, classic zine. So we talked about all that. We talked about how they ended up in Germany, uh, Mile Marker, their writing, zine culture, all that stuff. And it was pretty fun, wasn't it, Brad? You were in this one. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> here's... Al Burian and Dave Laney on Going Off Track. Politics in this country. They're getting pretty weird. It's, it's constant. Like, I, I read the article, and uh, I really thought that The Onion may have hacked the BBC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> you were, know? like, reading it in the van, and we were like, no, this is a joke article. Yeah, the yeah. Onion's going to be out of business soon. Yeah, yeah they they there's no they need for them. It. They There's can't make it crazy. I follow this page on reddit that's called not the onion and it's all stuff that <laughs> sounds like, like it should be and it's all right. real articles it's insane oh, that's there's so many now that's pretty bad <laughs> um where do you, where do you guys live now respectively berlin <laughs> and hamburg berlin i live in berlin and oh Dave wow in okay and you, you you guys have been over there for a long time or how long about seven years okay mm-hmm. we moved over about the same time gotcha and how did that sort of come about because i feel like um because i know you guys have moved around a lot especially al i feel like just from reading burn collector it's like north carolina portland you know obviously that was a long time ago but how did you guys kind of end up in germany independent different reasons actually. yeah do you I, like it um <laughs> that's a tricky one <laughs> <laughs> i think it's kind of like after the i mean seven years is like i I would say I like it. I would also say the, you know, I've lived long enough that lived there long enough that it's where I live, and it's not. Yeah. It's a you know, I, the question of do you like where you live is like uh, I don't know. Yes. I think <laughs> you know. I think it's pros and cons to everywhere. You know, there, there are things that I that I love about it, and there are things I despise about it. And yeah. The same thing living in Chicago when we were there it was, I love the city. I hate the violence. Right. There's no way around the sort of like flip side. If somebody asks you a question more than a, do you like it? Yeah, it's cool. You know, but when you when you break it down and really get into it, it's a much more complicated question. I think for everybody in every city that they live in. Definitely, because Al, I remember I bought this book from you at Mercury Lounge. Uh-huh. You were, and that might was probably like seven years ago. You were like hanging out. I think Against Me had played or something, or Trophy Wife or something, and. You were like um, hanging out, and I was like, "Oh, I lost my book," and you had like a backpack, and I go, like, oh, "I have a bunch of them." I was hanging out, and I had stuff for sale, man. I don't think you I'm had dead. it for sale. I think you literally just happened to have this, and like you had another burn collector for sale, and I like I bought them off you. See, that's what I gotta do. Always have something on me. Yeah, it's smart. I was like, oh, I wish I could buy this book, and you're like, I have a bunch of them, man. And I'm trying to think, and I feel like the last time we hung out was you guys stayed at my house in Cleveland after Challenger played. That was a long time ago. When Jessica Hopper was playing with you right. guys in the Jade Tree tour thing at the Grog Shop. I remember that, yeah. I remember uh, I had an upstairs neighbor who was super loud, and your drummer went up there, and he was like kind of scary. 
looking and like yelled at the guy and they were never allowed again. It was awesome. <laughs> Noah? Yeah. It must have been Noah. Noah, yeah, yeah that sounds sounds like <laughs> Noah's Noah's sense of urban justice. Yeah, once once he gets to the snapping point, maybe he could shut somebody down, but generally he's a nice guy. Yeah, no. no. Noah, <laughs> Noah's a really nice guy, but I could see how just your first impression I think it was like shirtless and like banging on the door and I was like, I'm not going up there. I'm like, yeah. So that was great. Thanks. You know, if you talk to him, tell him thank yeah. you. Yeah. Anytime. Um, so I was curious, like I was actually just talking to Jeff today. Um, I was trying to get him to come by to host too, who put out the, le- I remember when Eyeball put out that last right, yeah, marker sure. record mm-hmm. and that's to do- make this like a memory lane thing. But when we play, my old band, the Love Co played that show with you guys where Jeff was sick oh, and yeah. Thursday played with no vocalist right. in Minneapolis um, but I love that record. Um, I don't, I'm probably going to butcher it. Ominosity. You got it. Really? Ominosity. Okay, cool. Um, and I was sort of curious, I mean, what sort of happened? Obviously, you guys are playing shows again. That record, that was uh, probably, what, like 10 years ago or something? 2005. 2005. Okay. I mean, what what kind of prompted you guys to start doing stuff again? I mean, what what have you guys kind of been up to? And like, I know this is like a huge question, but like in your personal lives, I mean, what... Like, what have you sort of been up to? Because I'm sure people are kind of curious. Because I felt like when I saw the reunion stuff, I was like, oh, this is awesome and kind of unexpected. I think, it, well, what we've been up to is a different... We both... Different, quite a, and music, musically, mm-hmm. musically, I've been doing a band for the, ever since then, basically, that started right after that record. And I've been touring with that and doing normal music stuff. Is that Oxes? It is, Okay. Yeah. Uh, whatever normal normal would be like yeah. normal, you know playing shows making records this type of thing and at some point al and i started i mean we've been al and i've been playing music together since that record came out since we lived in germany but under different contexts sometimes al was did a tour with oxes and was pretty integral to a lot of the recordings of some of the the oxes record with vocals and and this type of stuff and I think at some point, and correct me if I'm wrong with your mind, but uh, we lived so close together and it was fun to be playing music together and we're like, we should be playing more music together. This is crazy. We live a two-hour train ride apart and we're having fun doing this. So let's get something together and see how it goes. Yeah. And was, did that have anything like, and then... Love it. Did the Frigid Form Cells reissue too? I mean, was it something like, oh, this thing's coming out? Maybe we should like. I think there was just some covers left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the inserts were left. <laughs> yeah, there's the inserts were there was some inserts still printed. So gotcha. You know, the yeah the Frigid thing actually happened after the. It came out before the new record, but it was planned after the new record. Okay. It, it came out kind of because of that in a way, like because we did this new record overseas. And then uh, Love It was like, well, it seems like it's been, it's time for a reprint and I still have these, you know, 500 inserts left. It'd be easy to like do this pressing. But yeah, okay, cool. Seems like good timing. Yeah. I mean, um, also I want to mention Challenger as well because um, I saw Jay put all this stuff up on Bandcamp so you can kind of like listen to all that stuff. So I've listened to that record a lot um, and it holds up so well. I mean, do you guys ever sort of revisit that record at all i noticed that people like it yeah i um it was kind of a yeah i I don't know it's always if you it was sort of a spontaneous record so for that like uh 
you know, like sometimes you put like a lot of effort into something, and then at the end, it's like still didn't really come out how you wanted. Sometimes you sort of have no expectation. That was sort of a throwing it out there kind of experience. Yeah, pretty. So, yeah, it seems like it worked out pretty good. Yeah, and I mean, I was curious, sort of, as far as like, do people still? Because it's funny, like reading the intro to Burn Collector and stuff. I was reading on the way here, and it seems like all the stuff about personal zines and stuff is so different now with the internet like and twitter and everyone sort of has this kind of personal dialogue with the world i mean how do you how do you sort of like look back at sort of like the days when you were making the zine and sort of all the you know the kinko stuff and i mean how do you think there's kind of a romanticism to that or do you think it was just you know a lot of extra effort um it was that i mean sort of weird to talk about like before the internet you know? i know and, i know it totally and, is like, but i am i mean a lot, a lot of people ask like how did you go on tour before the internet <laughs> which like we actually did do it with pay phones and stuff like that you know and and um the as far as the as far as the zine thing goes it's definitely like i'm now aware that it's a more normal impulse than i used to i mean it used to be somewhat of a you know, I'm publishing a magazine about myself. That's pretty egomaniacal somehow, you know. But it turns out that everybody is totally egomaniacal yeah, when that's given true. the platform. So there's actually sort of a reversal of it, I think, where now the now the physical object gives it like a limitation. Like like everybody can't find it. You have right. to actually you have to actually seek it out instead of just you know, so uh which I never really thought about that as a... I never thought of, like, a limited circulation as a positive thing. I was always thinking, like, get as much of your stuff out as possible. But It is it is funny, though. I, I never really thought about it like that because I, because I grew up with zines and not blogs. And the, the blog thing seems weird because it's like you put it on a web page and it's like, how do you know if anybody looks at it? Right. I mean, how do you keep track of that? I don't know how to look at Google Analytics and this type of thing. And you can't put it in their hands. You, you put a counter on the page, and that looks like really amateur and weird, you know? <laughs> but it's like Al makes a reverse blog, in a way, you know? Totally. One that's not available for everybody on the internet that you can't just post up and then get comments on, but it's more of a... But it's, like, it's like a fetishized blog, in a way. Well, I guess also, even now, like, I kind of got a lot of zines out on this tour, and... And I still sort of have the hope that maybe it's like the thing that sits around the sits around your room and whatever you might read it once, but you might even like look at it twice because totally. it's because it's you know a few months later it's still there, which I think that's harder to do on a screen. Definitely. What kind of zines do you have on tours? Is it is it all your stuff or different kinds of stuff? Uh, it's I just I mean, the, I still got stuff in a fair amount of stuff in print in the U.S. So I just it's just uh, the stuff that I had in print. I had that book, for instance. And, yeah, it's a great one. And, uh, yeah, some other recent... But, I mean, your, your zine output is still continuously rolling along and everything. So okay. It's, yeah, it's, it's, kinda, it's a little slower, but... Maybe a little slower, but, but you still have, you know, new, newish stuff out that's in print that you had with us. Yeah, it's definitely, like, you know, plenty of people who, who hadn't seen it, so... He made, he, he made a... I don't. I don't know if you're if you're aware of it or, or why you would be even really. But Al had a novel come out recently, and but it's in it's in German. Really? It's, no, it's I the, didn't know that. So it's 
it wouldn't make any sense for us to sell it on the on the U.S. store. <laughs> I totally thought that was like a, I thought that was going to be such a genius move, and then yeah. and then even like German people are like, what? Like, why did you put out a book in German? Everybody, every German person wants to read it in English. You know, they're sort of like they're they're not looking for a translation of something from English into German. So it's like a pretty minimal market for that one. What 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 was your thought process behind that just did like a f- new challenge well i kind of thought like i live there i should right. try to like fit in you know like <laughs> i was like I, well, I mean i just thought it would be like a you know what i uh yeah i don't know see you know it's like the i always think of things sort of in in this term writing is sort of different from music because it's like more like isolated process and music has that like instant gratification of like you play a show and people are like, that was good, you know, hopefully. Um, but, but I mean, it's, you know, sort of the feedback is instantaneous. And so the, um, but for me, it's all, you know, like I never started off writing because I'm a isolated, introverted person. You know, I still thought of it as something I can hand out at shows, you know? So the, I don't know, to me, it seemed like I live in this German speaking country. I got to get a German speaking object to, press into people's hands it makes i mean johnny cash did songs in german yeah right the johnny Beatles cash did songs in german really know. i didn't know that yeah the johnny cash ones are surprisingly sound like johnny cash singing yeah yeah did he, he, he actually german no, no no he he just read it phonetically but he really got the he got it pretty good like right it's, it's that's a cool. pretty good fake i'll have to check that out yeah there's a lot of bands did that way you know i mean but you know craft work released the records are in german in germany those people haven't heard the english versions that that, really? That yeah, yeah, they, yeah, their, yeah, yeah, yeah. they sound silly to to people if you grew up with the German version. Uh, but yeah, but we all grew up knowing the the English versions, right? That's all. I mean, what's the what's sort of like the punk scene? I guess sort of like over there because it's you know I we toured with the same promoter. You know, my <coughs> band went over there like ten, eleven years ago, and we played mostly kind of squats and a lot of you know a lot of kind of like live workspaces i mean does that stuff still kind of exist over there is there less because i felt like even back then there were a lot of that stuff was kind of getting shut down mm, it definitely exists yeah um that's great it's more of a whatever a little more deeply rooted i think yeah so a lot it, of the places went from squats to getting government contracts so there's there's not a whole lot of like really official squats left in in Germany. There are some and a decent amount of them, but but a lot of times the government would come in and be like, okay, we can, we're not going to be able to kick these people out. Right. And we'll offer you a hundred year contract, and for for basically like very little money, with the sort of clause in it being like you have to take care of the building and fix it up, type of thing, and make it livable, and. It seems to have worked out pretty well. I, I don't have a perspective on from growing up there, you know. Right. But from from the outside, it's there. Yeah, there's still tons of places. I imagine ninety percent of the places that you played in ten years ago are still there doing shows. That's awesome. I mean, what what? How do you, how closely do you guys kind of follow like politics and that kind of stuff over here? I mean, because obviously you live in Germany, but I'm sure you lived here most of your life. You have a lot of family here. I mean, do you sort of follow that closely? Po- uh, like just, just politics general, general and news. Politics. Yeah, I guess just general. The U.S. politics. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I would say, like almost, if not 
more than I did when I lived here. Yeah. With the on on a on a national level, but not on a local level. That's the type of stuff yeah. I'm completely removed from. Yeah. And there's been a lot of whenever I go to North Carolina, the local government there is I mean, okay, there's, they got they got it got really in the news now with the their anti trans law and this sort of evil stuff they're doing, but even before that the whole it, it, it's just a Republican right wing Congress basically there that I don't know a whole lot about, but I hear a lot of people complaining about it of how they're sort of ruining everything. But that type of thing, I'm I'm pretty outside of until it makes these, until it makes big waves. Of, right. You know, the mayor of Toronto smoking crack or North Carolina, like oh, yeah. really getting on the map for of uh, <laughs> oppression and the guy and the governor of of Maine being a a crazy lunatic it's depressing when north carolina makes international news because because it's like then because usually people just like wouldn't know where north carolina is you know if you say that's where you're from then you have to explain it's like near washington dc right it's the best part about being an expat is not having to pay attention to politics right well (laughs) i mean in in I know so many Europeans here that they're like, it's so it's so nice not to care about yours or mine. <laughs> it's well, like my my experience in Germany is that people are, are hyper politicized, and yeah. and it's one of the main topics that comes up on everyday conversation and and immediately, and especially U.S. politics. I mean, there, there's so much political stuff happening right now in in Europe that is really crazy and needs to be people need to be educated about and. Uh, my opinion is that people in Germany are extremely educated about it, and it's the type of country where the the news comes on every new every radio station for fifteen minutes an hour. It's oh, just really? standardized, yeah. And and people turn it up and listen to it. It's not like they switch the channel. I mean, I can't speak for an entire population of people, you know. But uh, I my experience is people are very aware and very. Do you think educated. they're less easy to manipulate? I mean. Mm, it's hard to say they don't go for the like um um the word i've lost a lot of english words over the last couple of days uh over the last couple of days they don't, <laughs> yeah. they don't go for like the, the like political drama that the u.s does you know when you look at it's from like, an outside yeah. perspective on the u.s political system it is absolutely amazing and astounding to me of how much it just plays on emotion it's emotional it's not fact-based right well this is what's what trump's all about right right which is from the german perspective seems like unbelievable it's yeah. unbelievable for for us for yeah us but it's clear right. thinkers but it's, ha- but, it's, but it's happening you know and everybody's like there's it's no way he's gonna win he's by, gonna win by, by surprise you know, hillary's gonna win by a landslide and all this stuff and i'm like i don't think so that's what people like, keep saying they, all along the way everyone's saying this can't happen this isn't this next step's not gonna happen but it keeps happening yeah that's the fear I remember thinking, like, dude, nobody's ever going to vote for a failed governor, cokehead, son of a, you know, mediocre president. Like, there's no way. (laughs) You know, there was no way. I may have not even voted in that election for him because I was just like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, and he got got twice. Didn't the mayor of Providence get reelected from jail? Yeah, Cianci. Yeah, but that's different. That guy guy had charisma. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Also, that state is consistently been literally the wild west since it's 
inception as a state. Rhode Island is insane. Yeah, Rhode Island's got its, got its, its own thing going yeah, on. Yeah, it's like, it's literally the Wild West. I went to school up there and it was, it was amazing how, like they wouldn't even make excuses about stuff the way like other places, you know, I remember you couldn't park on the street overnight. Like you had to find parking for your car. Well, just so happened that but there was no reason for this. Like there wasn't like street cleaning. Like here they put it, you know, there's street cleaning. They put the sign. Like you couldn't park on either side of the street overnight. Well, the fact was that the mob owned like 75% of all the parking garages oh, in the right. city. But they wouldn't even come. They didn't even feel like it was necessary to come up with an excuse. Like it was just like, no, there's no parking on the street. <laughs> That's the kind of town that is. Providence. Providence. I mean, what was it sort of like for you guys? Working on the new record, I mean, obviously you've played in bands together for so long. I mean, is it like when you hear a guitar part, the other person writes you instantly like, oh, I got something for that, or I know what they're going to do next? Like, how intuitive is it, I guess? There's certain aspects of it, I would say, go pretty easily. Uh, And there's like a uh, pretty maybe natural division of labor in some way but also i think we tried to also bring in two people that had totally different ideas to make it you know a little more to give to give it some kind of like unusual frame or something yeah so there was kind of a it was a sort of 50 50 like like oh yeah this is this is the next thing this is obviously going to go this way and like what is going on like i've got no idea how we're going to solve this puzzle kind of feeling so that's that would be my that's how i felt about it seems it. like a good good diagnosis <laughs> i mean how often do you guys sort of would you guys kind of get together to to play i mean because obviously two hours is not that far in the grand scheme of things but it's not like you know you not something you want to do probably you know right like, yeah it doesn't make it a three times a week or something right or it depends. It, or? it depends. It depends on how how close we got to the recording of the record. And at, at first, it started with with Al and I like getting together and getting like some some parts together until we had enough to start playing with with the drummer Ezra. And then and then Lena joined not long after. And then everything kind of whittled together. I mean, I'd say it was a natural process. It's pretty similar of, of most of the ways that the mile marker records have been written it's not one person sitting at home and like brings it in and is like okay guys I got like 10 songs let's bang them out right. that's not the way that we've ever worked I mean how do you sort of I mean do you still keep in touch with like a lot of the bands or maybe, I guess like more I'm saying is like it seems like so many of the bands you guys tour with have like sort of gotten back together or have been almost like elevated to this crazy place where it's like, I mean, how do you look back at like touring? Cause it must've been just normal to you to like play shows with like, like now it's like you mentioned like the promise ring or someone and people are like, Oh my God, you saw them. I mean, how do you mm-hmm. look back at that era? Maybe when things were, when there was like, cause it seemed like things were more connected, I guess, cause there were actual scenes of cities. And I guess maybe that's like another kind of pre-internet thing. Whereas now I don't feel like I associate bands with places as much. Hmm. I, I guess that's a very vague question. I guess, um, I guess, like, how do you look back? I guess at touring, I guess pre-internet, because I always think that's really interesting. I mean, I, th- oh, I think with the sort of idolization or sort of holding things up from the that happened in the past, that's totally normal. That's just like if if you didn't 
see something. I mean, right. anything you didn't see becomes a myth. And, uh, but I mean, every, you know, every, uh, everything like that has actually happened and someone saw it and it was their, their normal, what, what is their life experience. And I don't know, a lot of those bands were, are, uh, were really good and deservedly remembered. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really nice that, um, people hold it. I think it's nice when something becomes kind of mythical because it's like, uh, the, you, know, you know, it's nice that it transcends uh, the time that it exists in and becomes uh, an archetype to someone. I think that's cool. Do you guys still listen to sort of newer bands or keep up on sort of what's happening or is it how active are you with that stuff? I I think I'm I'm always looking for for new bands and new music. It doesn't always have to be new as in contemporary, you know, but it's there's a while where I would get into music from a different country and a different era and this type of thing. Uh but I'm I don't know, I'm still active and was involved with the show collective in, in Germany for the last five years. I left it a couple of years ago. Uh, and that's always new bands, but what's a, what's a show collective? Yeah. Good, good question. It doesn't really <laughs> exist here, huh? <laughs> he was whatever, it, helping organize shows it, at a venue. Yeah. We, oh. we had a venue that was kind of a place that you probably played even, Jonah, but, uh, it's open two days a week. We had our own space and it was total underground, squat type of place uh and yeah two days a month we do shows and it was 15 20 people in the group and you all work for free it's just a collective type space got it yeah i mean i i had never really experienced anything like that before where it's it was like you'd get to a show and people would just like make you dinner give you you know like you play they'd have like beds for you they'd make you breakfast and then you just they'd like everyone was so nice it's a lot of work yeah it seems like so much work that's the that's the reason that the place I was involved in is only only open two days a week because everybody else had you know that's not it's not a job nobody makes any money from it they do it because they want to do it and they want to be supportive of the community and that's a great thing I think and a great great feeling also. <coughs> yeah, it is cool to, to to experience that because it's just a it's like a different form of structuring, and you, I, you know, there's a there's something cool about seeing those kind of principles set in motion because we all sort of abstractly think about like what are the social alternatives how could our society be structured how could our economy be structured in different ways that would be more egalitarian but you know a lot of it's thinking and talking and you you know it's cool to see people trying out other models i mean is that something that's um like mostly exclusive to Germany or is all of Europe touring Europe like that? Because I guess most of my experiences were through Ingo or there, I remember there just being like 50 cities in yeah. Germany who would play. Yeah, I, mean, I think Germany has the best infrastructure for it. For okay. some reason it exists there the strongest. And yeah, I would say definitely it's, 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 a, it's a real German thing. Okay. Comparatively, when you go to different places things change. Sometimes it still exists but I think Germany also provided a lot of, I mean, I could just be talking trash here, but I, I'm pretty sure that Germany provided a lot of like state sponsored, well, 
they did provide a lot of state-sponsored like youth centers and this type of thing, which were also used as show spaces. And so yeah. it transformed in a lot of the places that are in Germany, even that do shows, part of the ones that got contracts. It's not exclusively a show space. They also use it as as like a youth center type of thing, which sounds weird in the U.S. because this type of thing doesn't really exist in yeah. the U.S. Like a youth center, what's that? Um, but they also have like kindergartens in them and daycare and this type of thing. So it's more community based of, you know, free daycare also in this type of thing. So it's I mean, it's of, so logical. Take care of the little kids in the morning, the teenagers at night with a rock show. Right. <laughs> yeah. And different groups of people coming in and doing it. And it's, it's funny as every practice space in, 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 in and Germany seems to be either like in a in a bunker, like a World War Two like uh, bunker nice. thing, or in a in a preschool or a youth center, in the basements of them. So it there's always an elementary school. About there's always yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bunker would be a good rehearsal. Place. I it's remember. awful. Really, <laughs> the acoustics yeah, it's, aren't great. <laughs> it, yeah, and there's no windows. There's no air circulation, and they're all molding and old and like right. falling down. That's why they're like, "What can we do with them? We can't remove them because right. they're gigantic. There's so much stone in them." Oh, let let the punks have it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we played a show, and there was like the heater was like this old world war ii or it was like a flamethrower it was just this thing that's like shot and i was like it was terrifying i was like if this place goes on fire like i'm definitely gonna die yeah that's the one thing that's like i would say germany is like a really efficiently organized society much more so than the united states but for some reason they lapse on the fire codes yeah that's like the one thing that i'm always just from the american perspective i'm like i'm constantly just like man if there's a fire right now, this hallway, it's too crowded. It's yeah. too crowded. <laughs> well, those stuff, I mean, in, in places, the, yeah, the fire code, the capacity thing is, is hilarious because they'll see a room this size. And I know my, nobody hearing this is going to know how big this room is, but they'll be like, okay, you're going to play there. I'm like, okay, how many people can you fit in? And they're like, 85. <laughs> I'm like, you can't fit 85 people in this room. But yeah, sure, it's no can. problem. Yeah, and you can. It turns out you can. <laughs> it's, just, it's just awful feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like whenever I travel overseas, like, not to, like, trash talk America, but I do feel like it's weird how, like, it's, maybe it's just New York, too. Like, this, like, level of courtesy, like, doesn't exist here. Where it's, like, over there, I feel like it's, like, people are, like stand on one side of the escalator and they walk like everything like people are like conscious of places of people around them they're and, conscious of the fact that there's other people in yeah, the world here, with them here yeah. um, so much of the time i just feel like no one is paying attention to uh, anything there's a lot of but i don't know if that's just me idealizing I think, that. I think it's a localized thing because really? i feel the exact same way in germany okay one of my one of my things in, in germany right now, now I, <laughs> it's a minor trash talk so i don't feel bad about it but i feel like people never learn how to walk in straight lines Really? So you walk down the sidewalk and it's like constantly people, somebody <laughs> like cutting in front of you, zigzagging. And I'm, my wife does it too sometimes, you know, <laughs> just like, just go straight. What? What? Like it's efficient. <laughs> I would think they would do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is. That but is it's like, just, uh, obviously, they. I don't think in reality that people in Germany walk zigzagging more than uh, right. Americans walking straight. Right. It's, just a, it's just something that you pick up when you're, when somewhere is your home. Yeah. You know, and you walk around, you're like, why is everybody texting and driving? You're, no, or, people, I, I'm beginning, the older I get, the more I realize that there's, there's somehow, unfortunately, there's an inherent, like, thing in humans that to make them essentially racist. You know what I mean? Like, you're always trying to put, like, 
give groups of people like their own categories and their own behaviors. Like it's just like the way you help people who are different get singled out. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just like you're like you people like you realize like all people are assholes. Yeah. Right. But it's like somebody like is a dick to you from a certain, you know, religious or ethnic group. You're like, ah, you people. Right. I like I like being in yeah. I feel like cell phones have also like just made walking anywhere just a pain in the ass. That's true. Just because no true. one's it paying attention to, to it. The... What does cell phones? I feel like yeah. no, oh, yeah. especially yeah. here because it's a walking base. Like no one is ever paying attention to what's going on. Like everyone's just head is down. Oh, you know, I think Germany. I think it did. Did they have the lights in the in the crosswalks? I think this is in Germany that they were doing this where. To keep people from getting run over and crossing the street, they put these lights in the crosswalks that are so bright that you can't see your phone. It's such a fucked <laughs> really? up way to keep I've, I've never, I've never, I've never, I've never heard about that. that. But I, I just hear read about, the about bus it. In it's China brand that goes new. Over cars. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. You, you I mean you've seen that the the new public transit system that came out in China? No. The, sorry, this is a detour from what you're talking is it about. The, no, the drives over the top yeah. of the cars. Yeah. You have to take a look at it. It's amazing. Really? It's too amazing it to work, tell you about. Man. Okay. It's, it exists. It exists. <laughs> they made it. It debuted. They actually... It actually exists. Really? <laughs> it went from like internet folklore and going viral on the internet to being a reality in less than a year a or bus. something like this. It's a bus that has like arms that straddle the highway like this. So the wheels are like down here on these like arms. Okay. Something and it drives over two lanes of traffic. It, it is crazy. <laughs> I will say like I was last time I was over in Asia, I remember there was like a new subway line. I can't remember if I was in China, Japan, and they were like, oh, yeah, we built it like last year. And like here, like they've been working on a subway line for what? The Second Avenue subway for like. A hundred years. Yeah, like forever. No, literally a hundred years. Like, I feel like it's so, <laughs> yeah, like over there, like, yeah, we just wanted a new one, so we just made it. But they're also <laughs> making these straddle buses that are like, des- seem like they're designed by a five-year-old. Well, they they, they take, <laughs> well, they seem like they're designed by a very smart person to me, because <laughs> they take so much less time and money than making a new subway line that they, sure. they popped up with the idea and they're like, okay, now it's a reality. Now I, people can get around. I just can't see how you can rely on the shoulder to be clear to get. I don't know. No, they have it's systems. amazing. Look at the video. I w- I can't wait to look at the video. You got to look that up and the governor of Maine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, can I come back? I just I'm curious why you guys both live in Germany. Like it just seems funny that that you would. I mean, I guess because it's different cities. That's why. Like who who was there for who went who went first. Uh, I don't know. It was kind of about the same time. I mean, but the reasoning was different for sure. I I uh, am like a dual citizen because my mom is German. Oh, okay. And so it was not that stri- it wasn't that um no, that makes strenuous sense. of a decision in a way because uh I don't have to worry about a visa and that sort of thing and I can speak the language. Right. And uh I I was I like Berlin. I I always wanted to live there. Um but. Germany was always also, I mean, like, Hamburg was always sort of like our home base touring-wise, and we were touring quite a lot over there for, for a while, so. And they we, were good it, to you there. It wasn't, it wasn't like moving to a random place necessarily. It was kind of moving to a place that was a little bit safe because, I mean, in a way, because there was a friend base already that existed there that that we had. And, I mean, Al, Al's been going to Germany for a long time as his mother's German. You mean, mm. Did you even live there when you were a kid? 
Just uh, no, I never lived there, but I, but yeah, I've always been in some kind of contact to it. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. I mean, I haven't been to Hamburg, been to Berlin. Wanted to go to Hamburg. It's a little yeah. prettier, right? It's a nice city. Yeah, Berlin's a river and lakes. So I just remember Ingo took us to the gift shop for St. Pauli. Yep, when we went there, that's a big one. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny when I came to New York a few years ago and I went in. Went into a bar and the first thing I saw in the bathroom was a St. Pauli sticker. It was, it was everywhere. So they're like they were. I remember being explained they were kind of like the working class kind of soccer team over there. Mm, or yes, in a way, but I think a lot of teams would probably consider themselves the working class team. The thing that sort of have a left wing kind of reputation. That's, okay, that's the the thing about the St. Pauli team is they're an anti racist left wing football soccer team. Which is, they were the, maybe the first ones, and they, they stick to it very strongly with this mentality. And that's the, you see stickers like, like smashing the swastika with a St. Pauli logo on it and this type of thing. And that that's, in the soccer world, and in Europe and in Germany, this is like a big theme that keeps coming up the politicalness of soccer yes yeah, so, yeah, there's definitely i don't i don't follow soccer but there's other, there's other teams that represent you know the right wing the other the other viewpoint gotcha. and their fans can get together and and uh you know do a and do a, a, sim, a simulated version of class warfare and i'm sure that they think they're the working class team like right you know, the the neo-nazi guys the working class team so it's working class is all relative I mean, is there still, like, there are still neo-Nazis in that area? Is that still a thing? Very much so. Oh, yeah, really? Because yeah. I feel like you don't really hear about it over here ever. Well, that's kind of the thing, the whole thing about, like, being an expat and, and, like, oh, it must be so great to be an expat and just not have to think about politics, which to me is, like, when I hear that from a U.S. perspective, I'm always like, you haven't really thought about, like, what the what what a German identity is is like. You know, or like what the, you know, you like if you live in Germany and you become aware of like the sort of the subtleties of what's going on in the society, there, there's also like a lot of really intense political shit going on that is, you know, you're, um, I mean, but you know, pol- I mean, politics is part of the fabric of life. And if you're not thinking about it, you're on vacation, you know. I find it wild being on tour over here and I've had quite a lot of conversations with people that I felt like exhibited a really like what they think is going on in Europe and the reasons things are happening in Europe is like really wild to me and like really off kilter. And I'm like, you live so far away from it, you don't see it. And it's not, it's not relevant unless it's happening in America. And I, I think a big difference but the people that I know in Germany is they also know a lot of stuff that's happening in America because that's still front page news over there. But they also have an understanding of the the violence being caused by IS, by the refugees coming from northern Africa, Syria, blah, blah, blah. And, and Germany's response to bringing them in and sort of a historical, potentially historical reason of why they're accepting so many refugees and sort of um i don't know it's a complicated subject but it's I, the people i've talked to it seems really misunderstood over here or not it's so far away that you don't see it 
And then Germany let in, what, 1.2 million refugees last year. It was a country of 80 million people. That's one out of every 80 people came in. It's it's massive. And it it, it affects everything. You know, it's it, you, you see it. And then you also have newspaper articles about these crazy right-wing neo-Nazi people setting the refugee houses on fire and stuff like this, uh, which does happen sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah, so it's, it's volatile. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's wild. I did not. Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I didn't know about that. I mean, we hear a lot about like the Brexit stuff and that, and I mean that. But I guess that's like a very big thing. But yeah, yeah, and sure. I mean, certainly you heard about Paris and and right. You know these these attacks. But yeah, the Brexit thing. That's a whole another kind of funny, funny conversation piece. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, what um, do you guys think? Like, do you ever think about coming back to the U.S. or do you, are you happy over there? Is it sort of more like see what happens? I'm pretty happy. Yeah, I'm kind of like when I think about it, it's sort of in this like um, I I def I kind of think about what would it take to get me to come back to the U.S. because. Um, it would seem weird to expatriate from the country you grew up in without really like making the decision to do that. I mean, I just moved, I sort of moved there as like, this is the next city I'm moving to and not with the thought, you know, it's, it seems like a big decision to make and not actually make that decision. Right. Sort of let it happen. So it's hard to imagine staying there forever. It's also hard to imagine moving like, somewhere else <laughs> I mean, i'm not going to be like i'm not going to move back to the u.s because like somebody's like man you should play in my band you know or something right like right right yeah and i guess that was sort of yeah i guess as far as like touring i guess it would be good to be over here but yeah i guess i feel like we're all sort of at the point where it's like this is fun to do but i'm not like planning on like this becoming a full-time job anymore for me at least well it's, you know it's also just like uh it's just a flight away to get from there to yeah, here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, so, when it does become a full-time job, you can live anywhere. Yeah. That's the point. I mean, do you, do you, how big of a part of your life do you, do you sort of want, you know, oxidized mile marker, all this stuff? I mean, because obviously it's, it must be so ingrained in you for so long. I mean, do you like still having that outlet? Do you wish you could do it more? Do you sort of like having kind of your own life outside of that as well? Well, I, I think like something that, has hit me like in the last years is that I like doing it. I very much like doing it and having it part of my life, but it's also of a, a difference with the way that I see it now than I used to see it is at least I'm trying to be a little bit less egocentric with it. Like I've realized that a band is a product of however many people are in that band. So you can only do as much as the person that wants to do the least wants to do before you tip the, power structure of that band and turn it into something that's disappointing instead of something that's fun so for me it's for me what i want to do is is it's relevant but it's not the thing that is going to function in the in the band you know because it has to be a combination of these decisions from everybody because in the end if you make somebody do something they don't want to be doing like if if i want to go on tour for eight months a year and somebody else wants to go on tour for two weeks a year and I make them do it, at some point they're going to become resentful and not want to be playing in a band, which then messes up the whole the whole chemistry and formula. Yeah, I think that's a very hard lesson to learn. It I is. Like, yeah. 
and yeah, and we've definitely in in bands before, and even even in this band, probably you know tried to push to one thing, or, or not even me sometimes, but like the band was under pressure to do to do things because we owed a lot of people a lot of money and this type of thing. And it's like if we can just break even, right? But you know, it's always a fight because it's always yeah, it's always difficult. Are you guys playing? Oh, sorry. I'll go ahead. You, no, no, no. Go are you guys playing Gainesville Fest this year? If you guys play it down there, we're not. Yeah. Okay. That's in October. I yeah, think. we're on tour Halloween. in Europe. Okay, yeah. gotcha. If it, we're playing, I feel like it's like Planes Mistaken for Stars, like Twelve Hour Turn. It's like every yes. band I listen to in like the early two thousands. I feel like. Yeah, that's cool. It, it is looks good. It is cool. It's. I, I think it is actually is really interesting how many of those bands sort of are still together it's it's it is kind of neat like i feel like it wasn't really like that when i was growing up i guess what that that bands would that that you liked would be like come like back that together bands that, the stuff. bands that like weren't super big would still sort of still be sort of doing stuff i don't know yeah i think a lot of people realized that you can just keep doing it and there's not a there's some sort of a shift in how people perceive it and and what people expect from it i think because so many of these bands, including us, are not doing it. I mean, there's no in, there's no incentive except that you have fun doing it, right? Essentially, and so so that makes for good shows because people are doing it out of excitement about it. Yeah. So have I, these I, shows been good for you guys? Oh yeah, well, definitely. We we have, I mean, I don't know. You know, going on tour is going on tour. It, yeah, it's up and down, but uh. Yeah, definitely. I was. I mean, I I personally like the whole live in Europe tour in the U.S. dynamic better than the other way around. At least as far as the kind of, I mean, it's strange to tour in the U.S. as a as an international like overseas thing because it's so much more of a logistical hassle, and and uh, yeah, and it's just sort of like financial risk. Um, but but it's great. It's it's. Uh, it's really fun and it's great to see so many people and yeah it's, it's yeah it's nice. nice to be back in the in the u.s and have time and also be able to to travel around every city that we played there'll be good friends in that city that it's hard to see them on a normal basis and that's something as hard as like okay it's just a flight away but like the u.s is a flight away but you know tour long enough and you get like good friends spread out all around the the country so it's a good way to see them too it's a little selfish in that way but it's it's a good one it's a nice bonus put it that way yeah definitely that's really interesting i mean what else do you guys sort of do you think you'll be touring more kind of in the u.s or space it out or i mean because i'd imagine it isn't really feasible to come over here all the time yeah it's gonna be it would have to be planned like in a way that that makes sense with with flights and Mm. where are the other band members are they in the states Right now, no. We all live in like uh, two of us live in Berlin and two of oh. us live in Hamburg. Uh-huh. Yeah, and yeah, one of them is walking around your city right now, taking a <laughs> look at everything. Probably at the MoMA. <laughs> it sounds like. Yeah, they were. They were totally excited about the museums. Yeah, yeah, I was actually. I went to some cool museums. I was in Berlin last year, and I went. I think it was Berlin. They had this museum that was like all kind of blocks. Like you, it was like almost like a maze. Museum. I think it was in Berlin. Maybe I'm, maybe it was somewhere else. It sounds like the Holocaust mo- monument. It, I went. Oh, I went to a. Hol- I went. Uh, you know what? 
I did go to the Holocaust. I did go to this crazy Holocaust museum too, right along. That's got that which is kind of like an outdoor maze. Yeah, and there's thing. like rev- yeah. yes, yeah. yeah, and there's like kind of remnants of the wall and stuff yeah, they in there. But um, yeah, it seems like there's a lot of good museums over there as well. Yeah, there definitely are. That's definitely true. Do you guys have any like stuff you want to do in New York? Like your like places you hit, like record stores and stuff, or is it sort of more like? No, I want to not buying any records. (laughs) 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 Already have enough stuff to try to figure out how to get it it back over there. I mean, do you structure the tour so you got some time? You know, I mean, as much as possible, but it's just not. I mean, it's uh, not economical. It's hanging out in New York if you don't live here. Right, exactly. So it's like nice to it's nice to have like a day or a couple days to hang out, but you can't. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of places where it would be nice to hang out a few days. Yeah, but it's not. You know, it's not. That's the thing, you know, it's like you just, you have to rent a bunch of stuff, borrow a bunch of stuff, you know, you kind of, and also you have to eat every day, you know, you sort of, uh, so it doesn't, it, it's, uh, doesn't, it's not financially feasible to do it the most luxurious way. Is there any place over here that you guys look forward to playing, like any particular town or venue when you come over? Good. Uh, a bunch. Yeah, a bunch, really. I was looking forward to our Chicago show at the Empty Bottle. It was I like that place. Spent a lot of time there. Has a lot of meaning to me in the past. Right. Speaking of which, I, you know how I still talk to a lot is uh, Dave Lewis. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's in Finland now, which yeah. is wild. It is. It is wild. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, we used to always play over there and stay at Dave's house. Um, what was I going to say? I mean, I'm curious, like, how often does, like burn collector stuff kind of come up in your day-to-day life i mean do you still get a lot of messages about that i mean is that still something that people talk to you about a lot or uh no it hardly ever comes up i get like physical mail sometimes and i never answer it um <laughs> uh, and uh yeah like it's actually that's what a thing that's kind of strange about being here is sort of that people connect to that and i'm like I've become like totally unaware of having that audience, or it's definitely not present in my day to day thing. Uh, and even the whole like, even like a zine as an like the personal zine as an object is not really like didn't make it in Germany. So it's not even like something I can like if I give one to somebody, they're like, "What is this?" So that's a really crazy to me. Because I feel like what, like what you did, like, you know, like Burn Collector Comic Bus, like all these zines were, are so iconic and so, like, are the ones that kind of people remember out of all of them. Well, yeah, but it definitely got around a lot more in the U.S. than in yeah. Germany. Um, is it book still in print? Like, can people still get that? Uh, yeah, I got a, got a few books in print. Uh, the Burn Collector book and, and a couple other ones. And they're readily accessible and you know like in in usual bookseller do you, uh, venues do you guys do the ebook stuff at all like do you read ebooks or do you prefer regular books i don't I, do that <clears throat> at all but really i haven't done the ebook thing i got an ebook reader for my wife one time and uh i tried it out for me it was like a really good idea to take it on tour instead of a, of a book right. and i really like the I was really impressed with it, but I, you know, I think I read it once. Yeah, <laughs> but still, I was I was impressed with it. I feel, that's how I feel. I like the idea of it, and I have a small apartment, 
Um, so I don't like having stuff everywhere, but it's, I don't like looking at, I feel like I look at my computer all day and then I'm like looking at a computer screen mm. again. Mm. I right. tried one of them that didn't, that doesn't look like a computer screen to yeah, me. Yeah, really. you've got, I think you got to. I wouldn't dare do it on a on a iPad yeah. or something yeah. but where it's like actually glowing at you. But yeah. the ones where the I mean the thing I bought was the cheapest one I could I could but they kinda look find like for her. Okay. <laughs> because I didn't know if she was gonna like it or not. And it and it looks it looks good. It doesn't yeah. hurt your eyes or anything and it's, it's cool a little that you awkward can, like, to use, but it's pick the font and like Yeah, maybe I should I'm I'm again, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm like really into the idea but the few times that I've tried them out i just whatever i just like to have a dirty old paperback the thing man. that's confusing for her is that, so I, I gave it to her and then i put a bunch of books on it and then she read all the books and she's like how do i put more books on it <laughs> like i don't understand how how does this thing work will you do it for me i was like, i don't know what kind of books do you want i, like, I don't know where to buy them from a friend gave me those or they were like you know like old, you old ones that you can get public domain or right or right right and so now it just sits there for for years. Now it's just like She's a, a paperweight because she doesn't know how to load it up <laughs> with the computer, <laughs> and she doesn't want like an Amazon account or whatever you have to right. get in order to like download the books. And then when we looked up the books, I was like, "Whoa, the books are like just as expensive for no, they're more." They are. This is yeah. the other thing. I'm I'm essentially huh. morally opposed to it because they cost more. They That's insane. Almost across That's the crazy. board. It's not like it's not like one or two of them. It's like. Every time I've ever looked up a book, the ebook was always more. Yeah, than, I did. One, I, bought, hard I bought a book today. Definitely the paperback. The dude from the Mountain Goods wrote this book. I heard it was good, and I bought it today, and it was like the exact same price as a Kindle book. Paper, they insane. could ship it to me in two days, and I was like, I guess I'll just do that, so I don't have to look at my thing. But yeah, yeah. you can give it to That's somebody. You yeah, can read it, it again. Strange. Like yeah, well, even even in Berlin, I can find like cheap used English language books, and it's not. I don't know. That seems crazy for sure. It, it I, is, and it's it's definitely the way it is. It seems completely. You would think that they would want to like encourage people to embrace this. You don't sell a digital record for more than the vinyl. No. Yeah, you yeah, know, that's a good point. It, yeah, that really doesn't make any sense. Oh, and it's so fucking irritating. Um, I got into it. I didn't get into it, but I got in a discussion with my librarian because they have like digital. You can borrow <laughs> books digitally now. Oh, and she was like, "Well, there's like 14 people in front of you for this one," and I'm like, "Right, but like in front of a digital book, yeah." yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Right, but it, can I just get it sooner?" Like I was like, "It's not. I mean, there <laughs> doesn't matter." And she's like, "Right, but like we have to do it the same process." And she's like, "If we just gave the book whenever you wanted it, no one would." And I was like, I guess it sort of makes sense, but it's very frustrating to me. That's wild. I don't yeah. know about yeah, that. It's just, it, I here's my, my USB stick. It. Just like, you know, just give it to me. How, how do you even bring back a digital book? I don't, it, I don't it, even it understand. It literally that. is on your device for like X amount of time and then it just disappears. Hmm. Like they just sort of like. And they can't just put that on everybody's device for X amount of time? No. No, you two found out a way to put their their stuff on everybody's device <laughs> forever, you know? I know. I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. She, they won't, they have to wait. Like, they'll be like, so-and-so return this. Okay, now it's on your thing for two weeks. <laughs> wow, that's wild. It's, yeah, it's really crazy. I wonder if you, I mean, I'm sure that the reason for that, that there's a good reason. And it's probably that, they, you know, the authors are like, okay, two people at a time can read my book for free. You know what I mean? Like, if, if suddenly, right. like... 20,000 people could read it at the library. Right. It would no one definitely would affect, it. like, sales. Of course. But if somebody was like, 20,000 people can read your book, I'd be like, all right. Well, yeah, yeah. and this yeah, is kind of the true. way... Th- but that's like... why I'm wondering if there's an option. I wonder if you can option into... 
if you like have your book in the library, if you could say, you know what, as many people I don't as care. want can. Yeah. I guess you could give it away online if that was the case. But statistically, it doesn't affect anything because if 20 people read it in groups of twos, yeah, it there's still going to be 20,000 people that read it. And yeah. No, it doesn't matter if they all do it in the first day and then, and then it's dead for the next Well, year, except you know? that like an album, the hype is in the first few months. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah, but that's a, that's a um, marketing idea. And, right. And especially dumb for uh, lit- literature. Yeah, it's not... I don't think literature is like going in a massive sales at I mean, the it's moment, dumb for music, it's... too, because like you don't... You know, it, that's not how it, how you actually process the art forms. Right. But I don't know. I, and I, she tried to explain it to me, and I was like so frustrated, <laughs> and I just laughed. It, is, it does seem crazy. It does seem crazy. <laughs> um, so um, if if people want to sort of check out, um, I guess like the the octa stuff, kind of your writing out. I mean, is there like a place to do it, or just kind of Google it? Is that what's the best way to kind of find what you guys are working on? It's it's all on the web. Okay, I, I mean I can put some links on like, the, if you guys go to this. Yeah, I mean, Oxus is on all the normal Bandcamp. It's on Oxus dot com, Facebook stuff, and Al's thing. I don't. How do you keep what about Al's this blog? Band? This band. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the band you're currently getting interviewed for? No, I thought. I, sorry, I, I, I was just asking in stuff. general. Like, no, no, Mount Marker, I feel like people. No, no, cut the ultra stuff out of it. I don't. No, no, I don't. I didn't get the Edit question. that out. No, no. I thought. I thought you were talking about the other stuff. I kind of was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of it. But yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Okay. Um, I guess maybe yeah. I feel like Mount Marker people will be able to find if if it's, they can't figure that out. Like that's on them, sort of. That's Yeah, but that's but that's but that's like the whole thing of like any of the. I mean, I don't really know what to say about i mean i have like i mean i think yeah can't ever can't everybody just figure this out if they i guess it was yeah it's like it's just like one one google search yeah and, and it, it's people yeah. i found i found a, a a great website or my friend told me about it i was like i'm so like i'm so frustrated on tour like talking about all this social media stuff and being like a pre-internet band right now we're a post-internet band which had, at a huge disadvantage because we don't know how to work the social media stuff and we never had it. So now everything got set up. And now all of a sudden I'm like, okay, we have to have a Facebook page that drives me nuts. I don't want to set that up. I'm like, fine doing a normal website. Cool. Right. And then I'm like, okay, we have to have some sort of Twitter or Instagram thing. It's like, there's no chance I can do both of them. <laughs> so I'll like try the Twitter thing. And I'm just like, we have and, to. Like, yeah. I don't know if like, we have who, to or not. Who, Maybe we don't have to, but, it? It, but it, but it, it actually turns out it's kind of nice at, for some things. And, uh, but sometimes I'll, I'll, during the tour, wake up and have, you know, like 50 relevant emails that just appeared in the time that I went to sleep and, until I woke up. And I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> and a lot of them were people like, hey, man, what's the set time tonight? Do, yeah. you know, do you know do you know the order? Do you know if the show is all ages or 21 up? Like this type of thing. And I was talking to my, my friend about it. And he was like, yeah, just point him out to the website. Let me Google that for you dot com. And I was like, <laughs> apparently it is a real website. Really? Yeah. And it Googles things for you. Yeah. But it's just a smart-ass link you can send back to somebody right. when they ask you a stupid question. It's like, go to let me Google that for you, that com. You know? That's a good one. And my favorite is like when people ask me directions to like a venue or something. I'm like, dude, in texting me, you could just go on a map site and just type in the address. Maybe they just want to talk to you, Jonah. <laughs> you ever think about that? Yeah, these are... Even even in texts. This is just people trying to make conversation. They want to reach out. Yeah, maybe you're right. I'm just like, ugh. 
Um, well, yeah, maybe, I, they'll, maybe one day they'll listen to your podcast where you complain about them. Doing that. <laughs> they'll be like, "Yeah, I don't want to hang out. This guy is so cranky." <laughs> I think I need to be more post-internet. I think that's a good move, guys. I like to think of it as post-internet because just it's, I mean, it's an you know, abstract positioning, but I always think I'm like behind. But it's nice to find out I'm ahead. <laughs> Okay, Brad, wake up. What? Uh, that uh, was, sometimes uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not always paying attention. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. Uh, that was Alburian and Dave Laney from Mile Marker. You can check out the latest Mile Marker album, Overseas. It's out now on Love It. Check out all their records. Um, they got quite a few. They got quite a Serious few. Serious discography. Frigid Form Cells, obviously a classic on Jade Tree. Uh, also... Eyeball, when my band was on Eyeball, they put out uh, Ominosity, I believe in the um, early 2000s. And I, that record, I think, is maybe one of the underrated Mile Marker albums. And also, I talk about this a lot, the Challenger record they did together uh, is great. Uh, give people what they want in lethal doses. And all that stuff, J-Tree stuff, is on Bandcamp. So you can listen to it. Sweet. And, yeah, so do that. Um, if you like listening to us, you can donate at goingofftrack.com. Uh, you can also leave us a comment on <laughs> iTunes. Leave us a comment on iTunes? Yeah. yeah. You could do that. I start saying this so much where I'm just saying it and don't even like... I'm like, you can leave us a... like. You can donate on Instagram. You could also download a, our logo and put it onto a poster and put it in your window of your dorm. Ooh, someone's calling me from Beverly Hills, California. Why aren't you special? <laughs> Jonah. It's like name dropping. It's like place uh, dropping. I know. It is place dropping. Somebody's calling me from Hollywood. I guarantee you it's someone like, have you listened to this record best band you, you're never going to care about? <laughs> like, no, I haven't. And th- this, uh, l- let me just go off track for a second here. Yeah, please. This is the thing that drives me the most nuts. Uh, publicists, like when I worked at AP, they would call the office line. I would almost never answer. Yeah. Now everyone has a cell phone. I haven't had a landline, whatever, like 15 years. Uh, and it's like these publicists will send you emails and it's like, whatever, you can ignore an email. It's like, I, I write about a very niche sort of pants, but there's like a couple publicists that still will just call you. And it's like, I'm like, hello. And they're like, Hey Jonah, like, have you listened to this record? I'm like, no. And they're like, Oh, cool. It's like, are you really calling me about this? Like, doesn't that seem super intrusive to you? Like, just send me an email. That would and if help I, me out. And if I don't write you back, like, that probably means, like, I'm not covering it. <laughs> and you're in thousands of people about it. But it's so weird. And they're like, we just want to tell you about the shows coming to town soon. I'm like, yeah, can, like, I've, I've now I'm sort of, I'm like, hey, can you just email me this? Like, I try to be nice about it, but it's, it's crazy. Like... <laughs> Am I being too sensitive? Uh, it's just like I'm in the middle of irritating. doing shit. And it's I, like, I get it that like if you really want to like if you really want to reach somebody, you, f- you call them on the phone. Yeah, I, I'm like that's my last line of defense. I mean, that's my last like kind of you know because I'm definitely I've fully embraced the new millennium of texting well, like, and emailing and doing different. anything except having a talk on the damn phone. It's different if you're like a friend. Like if you're like my friend and you're like, hey man, just wanted to like see how you're doing or yeah, ask you we about don't something. Even do, I don't do that. Do I, if I, do I ever call you? Never. I don't think I've looked at your call log. I probably never fucking have even made a voice call to you. 
in our well, history. Well, I know, and that's the other thing. <laughs> now I get anxiety when everyone calls me because I'm like, oh, this is bad news. Yeah, for real. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think if it's a friend or even if it's like a work thing where like we're working on something together, you're my editor, no, dude, like, like that's cool. But I'm like, d- you're like just soliciting stuff. Yeah. Which, I mean, is effective, but yeah, it's also annoying. It's essentially, it's essentially, you know, like a, it's like sales. It's like a spam call. This also happened to me on the train two days ago. I'm on the train. It's crowded. This guy goes, hey, uh, what do you do? And I was like, uh, I'm like a writer. He's like, have you ever thought about getting into sales? And I was like, no. <laughs> and he like gave me this. It was asking me all these questions about myself. He's like, on the subway, on the subway in the morning. He's like, he's like, do you know anyone who's looking for a job in like sales and marketing, like age, like 18 to like 31. And like, I'm like, no man, I don't like, I'm 37 years old. (laughs) Like all of my friends here either have jobs or didn't get jobs and left. (laughs) Like, I'm like, I don't know anyone that's going to want to like work for like your weird company. But he was like, he's soliciting employees on the subway. And I was like, I was like being friendly to, I was like, well, who do you work with? Like, I was like trying to be nice. But I, it was so weird. And I was like, why did you pick me? <laughs> like, you look like a salesman. Yeah. I was like, dude, like, was it like my d- dirty drive like Jehu shirt? <laughs> and like the fact that I was like staring at the ground, like that, like this guy screams, like he's a clutch salesman. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's bizarre. Dude. It was pretty weird. Yeah. That's weird. He wanted to fuck you. <laughs> I don't think so. He had a very weird vibe. Like, like you got the vibe like he has had to do the, like has to do this all the time. Oh like, really? Like you got the vibe that like he just is doing this wherever he goes. He's like the guy on the sidewalk handing out little pamphlets to everybody for, you know, a free yeah, yogurt. I always take those. Do you? Just I to always make them take feel them good? Just because I I look at those those dudes and I'm like this job sucks. Yeah, yeah. And That's probably funny. the faster they handle these out the faster they're done. <laughs> Yeah. And they'll be here forever if no one takes one. And I was like, I'm probably just going to recycle or throw it away, but I'm just going to take one. Nice. Yeah. That's nice of you. And then sometimes I'll go to take one and they won't want to give it to me. Like, I feel like sometimes they're like giving it and then like, and I'm like, dude, I don't fucking want your junk. I'm just doing this to be nice. Like, oh, sorry. I'm not cool enough, but it'll be for like a salon or something. But I'm like, dude, no one's going to use these. Just give me it. Like, I'm trying to help you out. Like, how dare you? <laughs> you can't, you can't win, dude. How dare you? <laughs> oh, you can't win. Can't win. But hey. you can win if you listen to the Going Off Track podcast and hook us up, maybe <laughs> donate a little money for our server costs. Yeah. Give donate. us a little nice review on iTunes or elsewhere. Yes. Put we up a poster so- in your front yard <laughs> with our logo on it. We went this so- is my new thing. We went so <laughs> off track that Brad had to do that part. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry about that little rant. Um, but yeah, donate um, or just support us. Leave a comment. It'd be really sweet. And we'll be back next week with another great podcast. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.